0: Thank you so much, Calvin, and the team. Really good to be with you this morning and to share from God's word with you. welcome again if you're new or visiting. It's a, a joy for us to have new faces with us. And if that's you, you're so, so welcome. My name is Ellen and uh, I'm a minister on the team here. I want to add my welcome, as Andy, to, the, to those of you who are joining us from home. I know that uh, there are a whole number of people at home for a whole variety of reasons today. I know there are those of you watching who are uh, particularly frail and aren't able to come and be at CBC at the moment. Uh, if that's you, you're very much part of our family and we send you our love. I know there are those of you who are unwell or recovering and joining via our live stream. If that's you, we send you our love. And if you're joining us from elsewhere, it's good to 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 have you with us here today. So we're in the fourth week of a, a six-week series here at CBC called Confidence on the Frontline. So the idea is that this Lent, we're thinking about confidence, particularly about frontline confidence, sharing our faith in our everyday life, wherever we find ourselves, and doing that through six Cs, uh, through being convinced, through community, compassion, consistency, competence, and courage. And today we're thinking about finding confidence through consistency, through consistent spiritual practices. Now, I mentioned last time about a a timely news story that I appreciated because it was Lent and because I'm a chocolate lover, about uh, 200,000 Cadbury's cream eggs being stolen. If you were here, you might remember I mentioned that. I told you that I love chocolate. I wasn't too fussed about a cream egg. That was quite divisive, I found, from being on the door at the end. I had some kindred spirits and some other cream egg lovers. Now, um, someone in response sent me this particular a story, which I thought you might be interested in. This is a man who adores cream eggs, and he scooped out the goo from 32 cream eggs. Is it goo? What even is that stuff in the middle of a cream egg? What even is it? And he scooped out 32, and he scooped all the the goo stuff into a a large egg that he opened really carefully. And then he sealed it back together and wrapped it. And then on Easter day, he ate it. Uh, Yeah. So those of you who told me you love cream eggs, I want to know how you feel about that at the door. 3,100 calories. (laughs) Tune in next time for more cream egg stories if, if anyone wants to send me any. The value of frontline to us is really important. I do hope that if you've been part of our church for a little while, you'll have heard us talk about our frontline. We, we refer to whole life discipleship, about being disciples of Jesus in the whole of our lives, living for Jesus wherever we find ourselves. And we use this graphic from LICC, the London Institute for Contemporary Christianity, whose whole ministry is about equipping Christians for their frontline to help us understand. The idea is that Christians are represented here by the red dots. So here we are as followers of Jesus on a Sunday gathered together. Less than six percent of the population currently go to church once a month or more, and that's represented proportionally there, six red dots in a little cluster in a sea of grey ones. And the second picture is us scattered in our frontline places. Everyone has a frontline where we spend most of our time rubbing up against people who wouldn't say they share our faith. Now for some that frontline places work, for some it might be education, it might be being at home with family, it might be meeting your carer, it might be a sports club, it might be the school gate, the place where we spend most time with people who wouldn't say that they share faith. And of course the contact and impact of each red dot is much greater when they're scattered And what we want to do is to make sure that we have confidence in those frontline places to share our faith in words and in actions. And so we've said so far that confidence will grow through being convinced of the good news message that we carry, through community, that what we do here makes a difference out there, through uh, courageous and thoughtful acts of compassion, and another one of the ways that confidence will grow is through consistency, through being consistent in our spiritual practices. So let's have a look at the Bible together. We're going to read from Matthew 7. And Matt's going to come and read it for us. Have a find of it in your Bibles, Matthew chapter 7.
1: Uh, just if you want to check, I'm not making it up. It's on 972 page. Um, so this is Jesus. Do you want the less bit? You do, don't you? I thought only 27. Fair enough. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law.
0: Great. Thank you very much, Matt. Um, This parable from Jesus comes at the end of what has become known as his Sermon on the Mount. And that whole sermon... Uh, of which this is the last bit, really is about the upside-down nature of the kingdom compared to the world. And actually, we're going to be looking at the beginnings of this sermon in more detail after Easter. We're going to be working our way through the Beatitudes together. And when we look at the Sermon on the Mount, we find out that everything is topsy-turvy. In God's kingdom. We find out that the meek actually are the ones who are blessed. We find out that enemies are to be loved. And we find out that it's what goes on in our hearts that is the thing that really counts. And the sermon is a kind of manifesto of the kingdom. And a challenge to have our values and assumptions realigned to God's ways. And at the end, before Jesus comes down the mountainside and gets on with um, his ministry and does some healing. Here is this parable. I've given you all this kingdom upside down teaching. Now hear these words of mine, Jesus says, put them into practice. And if you do, you are wisely building your lives on a rock. This parable isn't just a fun children's story. It is a call to take up Jesus' radical teaching and apply it. And we're thinking about consistency as enabling us to be more effective in our front lines, slowly but surely building our lives on a rock. And the most radical thing that we can do in this topsy-turvy kingdom that Jesus calls us to, the most effective and radical thing we can do, the way to build our lives on the rock most firmly, is to make sure that we are practicing the way of Jesus. Growing inconsistency will happen as we practice the way of Jesus, as we model our lives on him and his ways. Have a look at these rock houses. These are in the region of Cappadocia in central Turkey, one of the most spectacular landscapes in the world. Rock formations dotted with uh, homes and churches and meeting rooms and underground spaces all carved into the natural landforms. Homes built right into the rock face. And houses that have withstood the test of time, centuries of empires have risen and fallen, and yet they stand to this day and remain occupied. They don't just have their foundations on the rock, but a whole network of tunnels and rooms are built and connected into the rock And perhaps there's something here about what building our lives on the rock might mean as we hear the challenge to hear Jesus' words and put them into practice. This is more than just about firm foundations. It's more than just having a kind of cerebral understanding of the basics or of making a choice that we want to follow Jesus. It's about the whole of our lives. It's about whole life discipleship with all the links, networks, and tunnels of who we are, as we're red dots in and around the community, all of those things being carved and connected in him. As we practice the way of Jesus, through modelling ourselves on Jesus, through prayer, through reading the Bible, through practicing sabbath through simplicity through generosity through serving the poor through countercultural values as we practice his way the threads and networks of our lives grow deeper and more interconnected into the rock that is Jesus and something beautiful is then created paul says to the colossian christians in colossians 2 so then just as you received Christ Jesus as lord continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. As we grow in relationship to Jesus, we are rooted and built up in him, practicing the way of Jesus in the whole of our lives, in consistency Now, we know that spiritual practices don't just happen. We would all love to pray more and be more consistent in our Bible reading and be more generous and so on. And it's well suggested that to sustain a spiritual practice over the long term needs these two things, as I would describe them, devotion and intention. Devotion. We will always do something if we love it and if it brings us joy. If there is devotion there, there's always priority for it, whatever that might be. In our lives. And if we have devotion to Jesus, if we have a kind of heartfelt love for him and his ways, then spiritual practices will naturally follow. And intention, making sure that those spiritual practices are regular and frequent, making time for prayer, perhaps in the same place or in the same time each day, building in regular Bible reading, ideally every day or every few days intentionally making a decision to build spiritual practices into our rhythms and our routines. That is practicing the way of Jesus, having our lives built into the rock that is Jesus, such that practicing his way is what we long to do. I wonder if anybody else has been watching this Channel 4 series called The Piano. It's presented by uh, Claudia Winkleman, and it's a kind of talent search with a twist so a piano is put in various uk uh, train stations and different members of the public are chosen to come and play now they don't realize that they're being watched um, from a secret room by two respected performers Amika, a singer songwriter and lang lang a virtuoso concert pianist and i just love it it's just It's just gorgeous, nice telly. Do you know what I mean? Um, I actually love Claudia Winkleman, and I know she's almost as divisive as Cadbury's cream eggs, but um, I would invite her if I had like six people to a dinner party. She and her fringe would be on my guest list. And it's just really beautifully um, presented. All different kinds of people, different ages and nationalities, such a variety of backgrounds and upbringings, really diverse. And they all have this common love for the piano, and it's really joyful to watch. And I want to show you a short clip from the second episode There's a young girl called Lucy. She is 13. She is completely blind and autistic, and she comes to play. Now, we haven't got time today to hear the backstory uh, behind Lucy. Her challenges are significant, as her mum describes. But she loves the piano, and it brings her so much joy. And as the clip starts, you see her teacher, who I'll mention afterwards, guiding her up onto the stage and kind of getting her set in position before she plays a Chopin piece. Have a look at this.
1: It's a big step coming up to the piano. Ready, big step. Good girl. Well done. Come and sit down in the middle. Down. Sit down. That's just right. Find the pedal.
0: We should say
1: that often at the end of a performance, yes. Lucy covers her ears. She likes the applause, but she doesn't like the sound of the applause. Yes. So her fingers go in her ears for sensory
0: reasons. Yes, I don't have to tell people not to. She loves applause. OK, fine. 100%.
1: Now, ready? In a minute, you're going to play Nocturne in B-flat minor by Chopin. she start playing? See? Here we go. can play this piece how how how, how, how does she study I mean, how, it's incredible
0: Lucy, it was so lovely to meet you. You were tremendous. Oh, she, she, Yay! <laughs> are you a clap? Only one though. <laughs> yeah. It's more
1: it's than none.
0: It's
1: more than I deserve. <laughs> I'm speechless. I don't know what oh, yeah. to say. <laughs> it's not, I, it's I really funny. don't know what to say. It's... For two pernickety, opinionated, pains in the asses to be completely flummoxed and speechless. Yeah.
0: It's actually quite moving, isn't it? Um, It's I mean, it's mind blowing that she plays like that. And I just I recommend that episode to you if you only want to watch one. It's the second episode. And in the the VT before she plays, we see her teacher telling us how he taught her, and the way he taught her was that he put his hands on the piano and played the piece and she put her hands over the top of him and played with him and that's how she learned to play that piece of music and all the pieces of music that she plays. And he said this when he was describing it, he said, you can't teach Lucy, you can only help her learn, you can guide the journey... She needed someone to guide the journey, but the desire to learn was hers. And friends, there is a parable right there for us. Despite the whole range of people on the program, they couldn't be more different. What they've got in common is uh, devotion and intention. They love the piano, they talk passionately about it, it brings them joy. And they're intense, they practice, they learn, they want to improve. And like Lucy, we put our hands on the master to find the way. And then like her and all the others in the program, through devotion and intention, we grow as we practice the way of Jesus. As Eugene Peterson puts it, a disciple is a call to a long obedience in the same direction. We are called to practice the way of Jesus today. And when we get up tomorrow, we are called to practice the way of Jesus tomorrow and every day to the end of our days. Practicing the way of Jesus, this is consistency. And my second reflection, which builds on the first, really, about growing in consistency is about reordering our inner world. We give a lot of attention to our outer world and probably at the expense of our inner world. It's worth remembering in our story, The uh, Wise and Foolish Builders, that both builders in that parable face the same storm, of course, the same storm. It was the foundations that were different. And we just do need to remember that following Jesus is not a prevention against storms coming into our lives or in our frontline places. But when a life is built on the solid rock that is Jesus, we are more likely to be able to stand. And consistency comes when our inner world is in order. We will be able to practice the way of Jesus through devotion and intention, putting things in place and making sure that the inner us is in order in Deuteronomy 11 Moses says this to the Israelites if you're doing the 40 days of readings with us on this plan you'll have read this this week fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads teach them to your children talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road when you lie down and when you get up write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates so that your days and the days of your children may be many in the land the Lord swore to Give your ancestors as many as the days that the heavens are above the earth. Moses is asking the people to constantly reflect on God's covenant, a constant, continual reminder to have God's laws and his ways in their hearts and in their minds, such that it was in them. And it passed on naturally to their households and to their children. Fix these words of mine, he says. Set them in place in your heart and in your soul. Be sure and steady in your inner world. This made me think about um, what happens when you move house. Has anybody here moved house in, let's say, in the last year? Anyone moved house in the last year? Oh, gosh, quite a few people. It's quite stressful, isn't it? When, uh, When we moved house, I remember saying... We're not doing that again for a very, very, very long time. It's really stressful. Now I remembered when we moved here, um, we kind of got into our house, and you think you're moving, and then it's done because you move, and then you've got a house that's absolutely just covered in boxes. So we had this big pile of boxes. They were they were labelled, we tried to be organised, but I, it was dinner time. Could we find the cutlery? No, did we have to ring Paul Woodfield and say, can you bring us some cutlery? Yes, we did. Um, It was chaos. When you move house, it is always chaos with boxes everywhere. And then gradually, over the course of time, you get yourself sorted. So you 10 or 15 people have moved house this year. I imagine gradually you have got yourselves sorted. Someone says, no, they haven't. (laughs) But what happens is, is you unpack your things when you move house. And then you get used to living in your new space. And you realise that you need to rearrange the things that you've unpacked to make life work better for you. So you've unpacked your kitchen. And then you start to live in your kitchen and you start pottering and using your kitchen. And you think, actually, it would be much more sensible if my pans were in this drawer. It would be much better if the cereal was in that cupboard lower down. It would work better for us. Reordering the contents of our houses helps us to live more effectively when we are in them. Now, if we're Christians, we have have moved house, so to speak. We have trusted Jesus. We are our new creations. We have this fresh start. We've invited Jesus in to come and live in us and lead us. But in order to live effectively for him, in order to grow in consistency, our inner world needs regularly reordering to lead to effective living, asking ourselves, Jesus is Lord, is what's going on inside helping me to grow in consistency as I practice the way of Jesus? Now, that will mean different things for all sorts of us, but it might be answering some of these sorts of questions, things like, do I need to rejig my priorities to make more space for prayer? or Sabbath or family time? Has my heart got hardened in any way? Are there habits we've got into that we know we need help breaking? Are there practices which will help our devotion to Jesus if we put them into place? Is there... Bitterness or pride or anger which is poisoning us on the inside, asking ourselves the hard questions about our inner worlds so that we can live more effectively in this new house that we've moved into, reordering our inner world, a key in growing in consistency which will in turn give us confidence and will make a difference in our frontline places when we are the red dots scattered among the grey ones. So we're going to come into land and pause and reflect on this. Like Lucy on the piano, who knows what might happen if we place our hands over the master's hands and follow him? Who knows what we might learn? Who knows what beauty might be created? If we have devotion and intention as we practice the way of Jesus... And if we reorder our inner world so that our priorities are in place and our hearts are soft to him, consistency, giving us confidence in our front lines, practicing the way of Jesus and reordering our inner world. Let's pray together. And if the band wants to come back to help us to respond. Let's give us a moment to think, is there a particular takeaway, something the Lord has particularly put his finger on today that we just want a moment to respond to? This is not about guilt or duty or I must do more, or I should do this or that. It is about devotion to Jesus, asking for his help to practice his way so that we can build our lives on him today and tomorrow and the next day. Holy Spirit, would you come and move among us and in us this morning? you reorder our hearts would you help us to commit to practicing your way today come and help us Holy Spirit thank you Lord